0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. Today my guest is Victoria Marculier. She is the founder of Brandwell Designs and the Branding Business School. She leads an all-female team and they've built over 200 websites and helped create 300 brands. Brandwell Designs helps service-based female entrepreneurs. Victoria is the mother of two and she's passionate about helping women and mothers create powerful brands and websites. Check them out, brandwelldesigns.com. Friends, if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening so potential new listeners can find us. All right, please enjoy my conversation with Victoria. All right, friends. Today on the podcast, we have Victoria Marculier on the show. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So owner of Brandwell and mom of two sweet girls. How old are your girls
1: now? They are three and a half and my littlest just turned one like two weeks ago. How's that going? It's good. I mean, this is a a very physically um yes. challenging season, you know? Like they just someone always needs me at all times. But now that my youngest is one, it's really fun to start seeing their little dynamic, like how they play together and my oldest, I mean, she loves having a little sister. She loves to play the mom and um, you know, all the things, but really it's, it's sweet. And I actually grew up having just sisters. I have two sisters myself. So getting to kind of watch like my relationship with my sisters lived out through my daughters now is really special.
0: See, I'm like you. I grew up with two sisters, but I have four boys. And I'm like, what is this? I would be living in like an alternate reality. <laughs> like, what is happening here? My husband also has three sisters. So like, wow. we're both from families full of girls. And here we are with these four boys. And we're like, what is happening here? Right <laughs> so what fun. is this chaos? Uh, so you started Brandwell, though. Like, you, were you pregnant with your first or had you just had
1: your first? So when I, um, when I first started Brandwell, I was not pregnant. I didn't have a baby at the time. Um, but the day after I found out I was pregnant is the day that I put in my notice at my full time job. So I was doing that freelance side hustle lifestyle for a little bit for about a year. And then I quit my job right when I found out I was pregnant. So I didn't know a life of full time Brandwell outside of also having a newborn baby.
0: What was the job? Like, where were you working before?
1: Yeah. So after college, I took a job at a marketing firm. Um, it was a remote position, um, but it was just based a couple hours away from where I lived. So I would drive in once a month to like have that in-person interaction as well. And I, um, I worked there for four years. So that company offered web design and marketing services for PT practices. Um, and over the course of my time, it was, it was kind of that serendipitous opportunity where I came in when it was like a really small startup. There were seven employees. I believe now today there are 80 employees. Um, but because the company was growing so rapidly and I kind of got in on the ground floor, I was able to get promotions every year and, um, kind of climb that corporate ladder a lot faster than what I would have been able to do anywhere else. Um, so I ended, I ended my time there as the director of websites and online marketing, um, overseeing over like 80 clients and stuff. So it was a really wonderful season of my life in that I feel like it prepared me so well for the business that I went on to build.
0: So when was the moment when you were like, I think I can just do this on my
1: own? You know, I had entrepreneurial parents, so okay. I feel like when you see that modeled for you early on in life, it's kind of like you just assume that's what I'll do too. You know, totally. my, my dad owned his own business and so he was always, um, you know, at my games and he actually owned a business in a different state than the state we live. So he'd like fly there for a couple of days. But if, we, if I had a tennis match or a volleyball game, like I knew my dad was going to be in the bleachers. And, um, and that was so cool. You know, he had this very successful business, but yet he was able to prioritize work and family, um, appropriately. And then my mom, I've shared this on a few episodes of my own podcast, but I never thought of my mom as a working mom. Like, sorry, mom, but like that never even crossed my mind. Um, although she had an interior design business, but she just chose to do it when we were in school. Um, and so, you know, she was always the one picking me up. She was always the one dropping me off. She was just always there. Um, yet she was still able to, you know, provide this extra income for our family through her interior design business so I think because um, I grew up kind of having that modeled for me I knew all along every job that I took was a stepping stone to me doing my own thing I just didn't know what that looked like um, and I certainly started many many businesses prior to Brandwell. Um, I did day of wedding coordinating um, I had an eBay business where I was reselling stuff and um it wasn't until I started working at this, this company doing web design and marketing where I was like, wow, I love this and I'm actually really good at this. And I really love, and this has really started to, to play out in my brand business and, and through the branding business school, but I really love the strategy and the psychology behind selling. Um, that stuff that I could just like, even I went to college for that. I studied marketing in college. I studied advertising and I always loved that. So getting to figure out how to pair that strategy, with something more fun and aesthetic like design um, was just like where my two skill sets and what I love the most kind of collided. So to answer your question a roundabout way, um, as soon as I figured out like this is what I'm really good at, this is what I love doing, um, then that was kind of when I was like, okay, I'm going to stay at this job for as long as I need to, to to learn what I need to learn. I had access to such incredible information at that job. My boss sent me out to San Diego every year to go to, you know, social media marketing world and traffic and conversion summit, things that as a young 20 something year old, I wouldn't have been able to afford to do myself. Um, And then, you know, my husband at the time too was in PA school. So like we had no income. (laughs) So I didn't really have the opportunity to just like, you know, leave and, and start my own thing and take that big risk. Um, so once my husband got out of PA school and that was simultaneously the time we found out we were pregnant, that was when I was like, okay, like everything is coming together. I want to be home with my kids. You have a job now to kind of fall back on. And I put in my notice.
0: Wow. Yeah. I wonder what the stats are on like, if you have entrepreneurial parents that you then go to do that yourself, because I've thought about that a lot too, because my sisters and I, all three of us our jobs are like basically self-created yeah. and our dad owned his own roofing company. It's very like blue collar entrepreneur, but like yeah. he owned his own roofing company and our life was much different because he owned his company rather than like working for somebody else's company. Um, so yeah, I that's so the are entrepreneurs as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They wow. Both and so that's, cool. it's funny and now I think about my husband and him, none of his sisters, and, and he's not an entrepreneur and neither were his parents. So I'm.
1: that's, yeah, you really pass that down. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just kind of in your blood. You know, what I took away from it was like, wow, what a beautiful picture that you get to choose. Like you have the successful business. You didn't have to give that up, but it's on your terms. And if you see that modeled for you at a young age and really your whole life, like I can't imagine wanting anything other than that.
0: Yeah. You know, I, the other day, well, not the other day, but a few months ago, one of the, my boy's friends, he was like, what talked about, like, what kind of moms people are. And he was like, well, you're like a babysitter mom. And I was like, like, what do you mean? Uh, He's I like, well, know, you're always here. And I'm uh, like, oh, but I kind of love that. And then yeah. on the flip side of that, um, one of my kids were like, well, their parents are always at all the field trips. And I'm like, I don't do as many field trips because, I'm here more before school, after school and all those other times. And usually your field trips are like in the middle of the day when I'm like the three hours I am working, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> right. So it's like you get to pick and choose, but yeah. I think it's funny cause I feel like I'm, I'm, am always here, but I am also working and yeah. some kids perceive that as the babysitter parent. <laughs> <Yeah. gasps> mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. Tell us exactly like what you do at, at Brandwell.
1: Yeah, so I started Brainwell five years ago. Um, took it full time four years ago, and it is a brand and Squarespace web design business for the service-based female entrepreneur. So um, I mentioned that I love strategy, um, and that is is kind of how I try to approach the market a little bit differently. Everybody and their mother figured out how to use drag and drop builders like Wix and Squarespace and whatever, and just started calling themselves a web designer, you know, and so I totally understand that the industry of web design and literally every other industry is super saturated. And I I think I knew from an early um, starting point that like, I need to differentiate, I need to look a little bit different than all these other designers here. And that's really what we help our clients do now. But At the time when I was starting out, I was like, I want to be able to take what I've learned in the last several years studying marketing and um, being the director of websites, you know, at this company where I literally analyzed websites day in, day out and looked at how can we strategically make changes to get better conversion rates on this website. So I wanted to train up my design team because I actually started hiring people pretty early on, which I'm sure we'll chat about that. Um, but I really tried to train them from the get-go, not just to make a website beautiful, um, but to make a website that was going to work. Because um, I think a lot of us, all we really care about because it's all we know, but all we really care about is just that we look good online and that Mm -hmm. um, our website is pretty, but there are so many beautiful websites that aren't getting you any leads for your business. And like, what a waste, you know, what a waste of um, that precious real estate on the internet. And also if you invested in that, like what a waste of money. Um, So that's kind of how we do things a little bit differently. And I've built up an all-female team. There's now eight designers on my team. I don't design in my business anymore. I just kind of run it. But um, it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. It's a lot of girls. And then, you know, God, in his sense of humor, kept giving me daughters. (laughs) So my poor husband is just flying solo. Um, (laughs) But it's, yeah, it's been a, a really awesome five years of building Brandwell.
0: Yeah, what was that like handing over the design reins and managing the business over being the hands-on person Yeah, in, like designing people's websites?
1: Yeah, it's hard. I get asked that question all the time because I believe that the fatal flaw of entrepreneurs is that we don't let go yeah. of control. Yeah, Um so hard. I think no matter what type of business you have, to truly scale a business, you have to ask for help. Um, And I think, you know, because again, of like having uh, a father who, who scaled a a large company and ended up going on to sell it, you know, I think like I was able to start my business early on with that scaling mindset of, I don't just want this to be me, myself and I, Um, I also had like a little, a little pushback. um, I felt like five years ago when I was starting and, and there's definitely still some of this on social media today, but like everybody building their business, it was like the look at me show, you know, it was like oh, yes. all these people, no matter what they were doing, if they're a web designer or an accountant, like everybody was dancing and doing reels. And <laughs> like stuff, to me just made no sense for like what they were trying to sell. And I know that we all just kind of went through a phase of reels and like, we're kind of coming into our own now, but I remember thinking like I don't want to build a business that's the Victoria show. Like that's just like one I I'm an extroverted introvert. So like I'll be really outgoing with people I'm comfortable with, but like when I'm not in my comfort zone, I get real quiet. So social media can sometimes like push me over at my breaking point a little bit. Um and yeah, I just knew, you know, I knew I wanted to have a family. I knew I wanted to be a mom. That had been a lifelong goal beyond just owning a business. And so I was like, if I build a company, build a brand and not just a personal brand, then whether, you know, I'm having kids and I'm a stay-at-home mom, like my business can still grow. It can go on with or without me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of my mindset early on. And then I think the the way that I overcame it, I did it really slowly. I mean, when I, when I made my first hire, I believe it was when I was pregnant, um, but I made my first hire and I still did all the front-end communication. Like she was a back-end. I was like, okay, I just talked to the client. Here's what she wants. Can you do it? And then send it to me. Uh-huh. This was very like I still very much was holding the reins. Um, but over time I got better at who I hired. Um, I got better at training them. We had systems in place, and then um, you know, eventually I realized like, wow, okay, like she's ready to go on her own, and I would put her with a client and Um, once you do that a couple of times, it's pretty easy to replicate the process. Um, so now, you know, I mentioned I've got eight designers. One of those is my senior designer. She's been with me for almost four years and now she does the training of all of our new people. So it's still outside of, you know, me interviewing and offering someone a job, like it's a very hands-off process. Um, and there's just no way that we would be able to have the business or serve the amount of clients Um, If I would have kept it myself, I remember sitting down at the kitchen table when he, my husband was in PA school, I was working full time, like a big job. So like 50 plus hours a week there and then trying to get Brandwell off the ground. And I remember telling him, I was like, okay, I think if I work like every night and I work a little bit on the weekends, I could take on three websites a month. And like now we're doing over 30 plus projects a month, you know? So it's like, if I would have kept it all, Under my roof, you know, and close, then we just wouldn't have been able to get to the point that we're at now.
0: No, yeah, for sure. Um, But how do you decide like this is the right fit for our company when you bring on a new designer? Because you definitely have a style and a way that you like to go about things.
1: Yeah, so that's gotten easier over the years. One thing I would recommend to any business owner is like, you better get clear on your own. Brand and mission and vision and your brand voice and all of that before you expect other people to carry it out yeah. the way that you would. And that's like, you know, I see this because this is literally why people come to us because they struggle with brand voice and brand message and vision and mission and all these things outside of just the actual design, the logos and the website. Um, so I know that this is a struggle for most female entrepreneurs because you know, the barrier to entry for entrepreneurship is so low now. Like we all have a laptop. We have a smartphone. Totally, We can, you know, work in corporate America for one year and then say, I'm a business coach. You know, we can all like, look at, we, we started our podcast. It's, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. Um, but because of that, I think a lot of people bypass a lot of the necessary steps to creating like a lasting brand. I'm not saying you can't make a quick buck leveraging social media and whatever it is that you're selling for now. But if you don't want it to be a trend that kind of comes and goes and then you're on to the next side hustle, I think like really getting clear with why am I doing this? What am I selling? And then beyond just what I'm selling in terms of the actual deliverable. so like I'm selling website, what is the benefit? What is the direct impact it's going to have on the lives of the women that I'm selling it to, right? Like I, I realized after talking to so many women and kind of seeing why people were hiring me, It wasn't just that they needed a website because there's a million other web designers on on all different ranges of the price spectrum that they could have chosen. But I was speaking to the piece of like, I'm going to help you show up confident online because I know that you're embarrassed of your bad DIY. Yeah. That message was speaking to people. So, you know, listening to your customers and, and starting to kind of craft a brand message and a brand voice and and figuring out like what really is the solution beyond just the actual deliverable that you're giving to these customers of yours, that's really important work to do early on when starting your business and most people skip it and they just start selling whatever it is that they're selling. Um, but I think then when it comes time to hire and to replicate yourself it's really hard to replicate yourself if you're just winging it every day. And, you know, a lot of us are just winging it. Um, So what I teach people, we uh, just this year actually came out with a brand strategy course called the Branding Business School. And that was where I was like, I want to really go deep with people into the strategic side of branding. How do you name your business? How do you define your target audience? How do we really niche down? We're told to niche down, but like, how do we do so if we feel like we're alienating other people? So That I think is really helping people get clear on some of these things because I have found, you know, Brandwell's brand is like very clear. We know why we exist. We know exactly who we serve. We know exactly who we don't serve. Um, We know what our offerings are. We know what they're not. And when I bring somebody in, it's really easy to train them up on it, you know, because it's like anyone could do it. I could literally put it on paper and say, Libby, train this new person on a brand. Whereas I think a lot of entrepreneurs, because we kind of start it and just like wing a lot of things, that's when it gets really, really hard to give up control because nobody can get inside of your head directly.
0: Hey everybody, are you looking for a great protein powder? I have the best solution for you. The Neurofy Plus Vegan Protein Shake by Prevenix is so delicious. It is packed with vitamins and nutrients, 20 grams of vegan protein, one billion probiotics, digestive enzymes, BCAAs. It's gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, no preservatives and no artificial flavors. This is the cleanest, healthiest, plant-based vegan shake around, made to the highest standards. Sometimes you just need a quick hit of protein after a workout or a run. You're moving from one thing to the next. You can shake this up with water, eat a banana, boom, you're getting it done. Right away, you're getting those nutrients back in your body. I also like making protein shakes for my kids with this protein powder as well, and they get a nutrient-dense jam-packed smoothie, including high protein, which is good because then they feel full longer. Uh, they also have a great joint supplement and multivitamin. And check out everything Prevenex has to offer at Prevanex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Prevanex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Back to the show. Yeah, that's hard because I feel like I'm scattered a lot. And so it's like, how do I like how do I get focused so that I can do those things? So I, I want to give you like a, I'm going to give you like a case study and I get okay. your opinion on it. Okay. Um, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. Do you ever listen to um, the Marketing Made Simple podcast? It's like a Donald Miller podcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. love okay. Donald Miller taking all of his
0: courses. I, yeah. You give me Donald Miller vibes. Like I'm like, <laughs> Oh, she knows what she's doing. Uh, this is JJ and, um, Oh, what's her name? April mm-hmm. that hosts the marketing podcast but they were talking they they recently did an episode on like how to sell like how to sell on your website and you had an episode recently similar as well and I was thinking about this because I don't sell a lot like my it's interesting my main thing really is these podcasts that I host and Mm -hmm. then I sell advertising on my podcast like that is and then sometimes I'll go to events and be a speaker or a moderator or a race announcer like that's my that's how I make my money okay um but I do have training plans on my website. So my other podcast that I host is a podcast for runners. Mm-hmm. And I interview professional runners. And so I've also been running for, you know, 25 years. And I have um, been coaching for some time. I don't coach very many athletes, though, because it's like it's not scalable, right? And Like mm-hmm. for me, I only have so much time. I can handle up to 10 athletes. And beyond that, like I'm not focused enough. So yeah. I have all these training plans on my website and I don't push them very hard, but they're for sale. They're $35 for a half marathon, $45 for a marathon. Mm -hmm. And recently, one person that um, used one of my plans was on another running podcast and she just like organically was raving about these plans and my sales went up by like so much. Like I was like, wow, I made like $600 on these plans this month where normally I make like Two hundred, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and I'm just curious. Like, it's I've always just seen those plans as like, oh, a little side thing. Like, I put them together five years ago. They're just like, it's basically at this point, it's free money because they're already created in their bot. But I'm like, why don't I have those front and center on my website? Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here. Okay, I'm curious what you think. I love that you're a
1: runner, and I wish I would have known about these. I'm actually running a half marathon next week for oh. Thanksgiving. Next time. Um. <laughs> so anyways I I think one like listening to what these people are saying about it is going to give you more insight about these things that you're selling than you even know even though you're the creator of them yeah like I'll share just a a a picture of what happened in my own business so when I was starting Brandwell um, one thing that was kind of funny I like never highlighted the fact that uh, you know, it was an all female team or like the whole woman owned thing. Like that just seemed obvious. Like, yeah, I'm a woman and I have a business like that. That was nothing to me. Um, and you know, I, I, naturally just kept hiring these female designers cause I felt like they understood my vision a little bit better. We were working with women. Um, so it just made sense. And it wasn't until like so many people kept saying to me like on these initial, uh, intro calls. Um, you know, oh, like I chose you because I love that you have an all-female team. Like I came from an agency and it just like, I got paired with someone that wasn't a good fit. Um, or like, I love that you're a mom and that like you, you know, you don't mind if there's like a baby on the call and stuff. And so like, this was nowhere on my website until I started to hear it so much that I was like, this uh-huh. is why people are choosing Brandwell, Yeah, you know? And so when when you take these pieces of feedback, these like nuggets of gold that your customers are telling you, like, this is why you're so amazing. Even though there are literally 500 million running guides on the internet right now, everybody's selling them on Etsy. Um, I'm sure the price goes from like $2 to exorbitant amounts and stuff. So what I tell people is like, if you don't want to compete on price alone, you've got to build a brand around the products that you're selling. It cannot just be products. So I think like for you to, to like, you, you've done this because you have this running podcast that I know is very successful and that gets tons of downloads. Like I would lean into that brand and I would, you know, utilize that podcast maybe you already do this, but, um, whether it's like a pre-roll ad that goes before or in the middle of the podcast that you're highlighting, not just that you have a, a half marathon and a full marathon training guide, but like what what is the direct outcome? So if I would have bought that guide, um, you know, I'm running this race. I think it's like six days away now. <laughs> I'm <laughs> a little bit nervous. I'm like, Aww. I've done a few half marathons before, but it's been a while. I haven't done one since having kids. Uh uh-huh. Um, so like you could even use me as your Guinea pig. How would I be feeling now one week out? Had I taken your training plan? Yeah. Right. Like, can you go into race day confident, knowing you're going to hit a PR, no, whatever the benefit is. I don't know what these guys do, but like, that's really what you should be writing the message around, not the guide itself, but like, what is the outcome that these runners are going to have when they take your guide and then leverage your brand on why they should buy yours over anyone else's. I'm a runner. I train professional athletes. I have a podcast for all, like that gives you so much credibility. Um, and I think it's why people would feel more confident buying a guide from you than off Etsy.
0: Yeah. You know, as you're talking about this and you talk about your business and your clients coming to you saying like I'm coming to you because you're all women because you're a mom because you you see that like I need that flexibility in my life too Mm -hmm. I'm like that's my whole approach with running is like you have to make it work for your life and if you are just like a slave to the run and that's all you care about and you don't ever take a rest day even when you need one um I I'm all about making it work with the life that you're living, not just like always dialing into like, I have to be running all the time. So I'm, I'm almost thinking like I need to focus on that a little bit more, like how to make this work when you have a full life, like when you have a bunch of kids or a, you know, a busy job and all these things, because man, runners can get really anal about making sure they don't miss a run ever. And that's really, it ends up sucking the life out of you and it ends up making the run not so fun. So Yeah. I love that. Okay. Y'all didn't know I was going to get myself a little free case study out of this deal. <laughs> um, oh, one of the other things you had mentioned, like how you didn't want your business to be like the Victoria show. Yeah. I was just thinking about this today. Did Have you read Britney Spears book yet?
1: No, I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it.
0: Okay. I listened to it on Audible. Okay. I just finished last night. Um, I listened to it because this other podcast I listened to, the Popcast, uh-huh. they were talking about it, and Michelle R- Williams reads the Audible book, and at one point, she does this impression of Justin Timberlake, and it they played it on the podcast, and it was so hilarious. I was like, I have to read, I have to <laughs> listen to the book just for that one clip. Oh my gosh! So anyway, um, but I was just thinking about this, like the narcissism that comes with wanting to be in front of people all the time and wanting to be on a stage and wanting to be like the face of your business. Mm-hmm. And then also on the flip side, like sometimes like the being the face of your business, you need to be that, mm-hmm. you know? And because I was even thinking about it after my race that I, I was race announcing this weekend and I get like a rush when I'm on the microphone and I'm like when I finish a, a performance or whatever you want to call it, sure. when I finish – moderating a panel on a stage and I'm like, what is the balance there of like not being narcissistic, but like enjoying that rush, but then
1: also taking yourself out of it so your business can thrive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It is a hard balance. And I thank God all the time for kids because I think like nothing humbles you more than kids, you know, like I get off a stage from a speaking event and then come home and yes. my kids are like having meltdowns at the same time. And I'm like, okay, they don't even know what the name of my business is, you know, right. so like it is, it is humbling. And I think, you know, that's maybe God's sense of humor, but, um, yeah, that, that was, it almost felt like, um, a check and a balance in some ways for me to like grow my team. And, you know, even to the point where if you go on our social media, like they are very much front and center on our social media. Um, I wanted their faces to be in there. I wanted, when you thought of brand, well, I didn't, I, I would say like at the end of the day, I am maybe the face of the brand just cause I own the business, but I think of brand well and I think most people would agree. I think of this all female team. Like I think of our brand shoot photos of everybody in the pictures and I liked that. And I, I think, you know, people are convicted individually and some people may not struggle with pride or like feel as much, like you said, like of a, a high after, you know, recognition yeah. or whatever. Um, I just never felt great about myself when I was like making reels all the time and, and posting pictures, you know, I remember, um, I think it was Jenna Kutcher lover, but like, I don't think she struggles with this because she posts a lot of herself. Uh-huh. Um, and I think like she was doing a challenge. This was years ago. I, I was, remember this like, right when I was starting. Yeah. Where it was like, post a picture of your face every single day for 30 days. And, when you look at like, when you break that down, what does that mean? That means we're like, we're getting fixed up. We're like setting up our tripod. We're trying to get the light. We take a hundred voters of ourselves to pick the perfect one and do that every day. Like that to me just did not sit right. I was like, Lord, you have bigger plans for my life. Than this. <laughs> um, So I'm not saying that like, you're going to be a narcissist if you don't build out a team. But I do think like for me, when I was starting Brandwell, um, there was motivation, not just in scaling in building my team, but also in like, you know, kind of protecting myself in my own boundaries of especially now that I have a family, you know, what am I willing to share? What am I not? So, um, yeah, that's kind of where that unrest started for me a few years ago and how I've kind of combated it by letting other people take the the stage as well. So, yeah. I totally
0: agree with all that. And I remember when Jenna Kutcher did that. Um, And it's like, yeah, it just feels off to me. I mean, most of my pictures, I do end up being in them on my social media. But, yeah, it feels a little ick. I haven't listened to her podcast in a while. I don't know what she's up to. I haven't
1: either. I I burned out on it a while ago. You know when you have your own podcast, too, it's, like, hard to consume too much other content. Like – If I'm listening to a podcast now, it's usually like a true crime or something that's for enjoyment, not business, because I have my own business podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've thought about that a lot, like the amount of input I have coming in and balancing that, because sometimes it's like, in, 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 when are you going to execute?
1: Yeah. Okay, and so… On that note, I think this is a good message that I want to, your listeners to understand when it comes to branding and like building a brand, because that's obviously what I do. That's what I want people to like understand after listening to this. I think that is the very problem why people have such a hard time building their brand voice and, and building a brand that's unique and having differentiators, because we spend all of our days filling ourselves with other people in our industry. And whether it's subconscious or, or consciously we're doing it, but we always kind of like attach ourselves to somebody who's a little bit further along in yep. business than we are. Yeah. And we start, we start offering what they offer, we start looking like what they look like on social media. Um, our brand shoots start to look the same, our content starts to look the same. Like it is so hard to stand out when you're always pouring so much content. And and, and again, like I, you know, I shared I haven't listened to Jenna Kutcher in a while too. And that was because not because I don't think she has such valuable stuff, but I don't want to subconsciously be recording episodes that are just repeating what I heard on hers. You know, I want to have my own original ideas and thoughts and that's hard to do when you are consuming so much. So I think there's like a fine balance of wanting to, you know, continue to grow in your industry and learn and excel. And I do read books and I go to a lot of like marketing events, but then at some point I'm like, I'm going to stop, you know, I'm going to like have this one conference that I go to this year and that's it. I don't need to go to all of them and I don't need to listen to all the business podcasts because I'm doing this every day in my business and I'm seeing what's actually working for my customers and I, I'm going to share that on my podcast and I'm going to replicate it with my future clients. And, um, yeah, I just think that like one of the most detrimental things to a brand is to continually pour other people's brands into your brain. Yes. And then you just start to look like the knockoff version of the original.
0: All right. Listen up. Lagoon pillows. Oh my goodness. Lagoon is the best pillow I have ever laid my head on in my 39 and a half years of life. I have looked for good pillows for a very long time. And before Lagoon, I was settled on a higher quality pillow I got at Target. Uh, I I mean, I've tried Tempur-Pudic. I've tried other brands. And this is by far the best. I think because it's so customized. You fill out a two-minute sleep quiz, okay? And whether you're a back sleeper, a side sleeper, a belly sleeper, however you sleep, these pillows are incredible. I have the Otter. My husband, Glenn, has the Fox. They are so perfect when you lay your head on them. And listen, if you want a more firm pillow, they have those options. If you want a more soft pillow, they have those options. And they even send you the filling so you can fill your pillow as full or as little as you want. It is truly customizable. And we all know that like sleep is so important. If you are not sleeping well and the thing that you are laying your head on is contributing to not good sleep, you need to fix it because we are all working really hard to pursue athletic goals and dreams and sleep is so important. So listen, go to lagoon slash Lindsay and use the code Lindsay L I N D S E Y to get 15% off your order. And just then come thank me for changing your sleep life because Lagoon is amazing. All right, friends back to the show. So you did uh, share an episode on your podcast about differentiators. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So um, I mentioned that we opened a course called the Branding Business School this year. It's something that's only open three times a year. So it's it's closed right now. Um, but in this course, there's a module that I teach called Differentiating in Order to Disrupt. And I realized, you know, having spent the last five years working with clients, designing them, beautiful brands, stunning websites that the ones that actually went on to, like, become powerhouse brands and, like, gain huge followings, six, seven, eight-figure businesses, they were the ones who were not afraid to differentiate. Like, they were going against the grain. Um, They were not afraid to niche down and, like, find their lane and just stay in it. Um, And you mentioned earlier that, like, you sometimes feel, like, really scatterbrained. I think a lot of us feel scatterbrained because – there's always a different audience that we could serve. There's always going to be a need. And, you know, what I've learned in my business is that, like, when when I step away from my specific audience, which is the service-based female entrepreneur who's embarrassed about her online presence, mm. that's my girl. When I try and veer away from that and I start serving, you know, um, oh, and also they're, they're service-based, so they're on Squarespace, like, not e-commerce when I start focusing on, you know, oh, somebody came in, they want our high-ticket package, but they they need a Shopify site, or maybe, you know, it's a guy in his 40s or whatever who's running a corporate business. It is a disservice to both me, my brand, and to that client when I say yes to business that is not the right fit. Because one, I'm not sharpening my skills to become the expert in this one category. People don't pay premium prices to work with generalists, right? Yeah. They pay premiums to work with specialists. So, you know, by me saying yes to things that fall outside of this lane that I should be staying in, it's a disservice to my brand and to the person that I'm serving because I'm really not the best person to build you an e-comm website. Somebody else is. And so that's for people when they feel scattered, that would be my advice to you is you've got to just like put your blinders on for a little bit. What is working? What do you enjoy doing? And who are the clients that are walking away like raving about you? Those are the people that you're obviously best suited to serve and you need to find more of them. And you typically attract what you put out there. So if you are in a service-based business, let's just say like a designer, like I am, and everything that I'm putting out in my portfolio and on Instagram is for, you know, these service-based women, these realtors, these accountants, these designers, photographers. If that's what I'm putting out, then I'm going to get more of that in, you know, because people hang out in similar settings. Yeah. So that would be one way that I think like differentiating is going to get a lot easier. It's easier to differentiate yourself to a smaller audience than to do- try and differentiate to the masses. Yes. Um, so, yeah.
0: You know, I thought about that a lot when I started this podcast because I had my podcast for runners Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I wanted to talk about like mom stuff, parenting stuff, maybe aging stuff. And I thought, I have to, I have to have a niche though. Like I have to, so I kind of made it focused on parenting because the running thing was working, right? Like most of, a lot of my listeners probably are moms, but they are coming to that show to, to hear from runners. Right. And so I niche this down, but now I'm like, as my kids get older, like the show grows with me, right? And grows as my kids age. And I don't necessarily want to talk about parenting stuff all the time because sometimes I'm like, I am thick in it yeah, <laughs> 24-7. I don't want to sit here and talk about it on the show, which is why I'm bringing guests like you on. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what you think about like transitioning your brand and changing as time goes on on? Because yeah. you know, they, used, they always used to say like the niches are in the riches, the riches are in the niches yeah. or whatever. And it's what you're talking about. You know who you serve. Mm-hmm. But
1: with something like this, what do you think? Yeah. So first off, I love that you split your brands with the why is everybody yelling and then you're running podcast. Um, I thought that was brilliant. That's something that we have to work with our clients a lot. I'm like, okay, when is it appropriate to build a sister brand or to house it all under? And like, we've talked about Donald Miller on this. You know, one of his famous lines is, if you confuse, you lose. So yeah. if you get a little bit too scattered with your message, then you're you're going to lose out on customers or even worse, you start to really dilute your brand and your yeah. message. So, you know, I think if you would have tried to fit all of this like parenting, entrepreneurship stuff over on your <laughs> running podcast... Like, now it's really diluted for those diehard runners who are like, what yeah. is this crap? Like, this is not why I'm here, right? So um, for this podcast, I think that with parenting, like, you can't separate the the parent from, like, the human being that they are. Mm. And if these parents, like me, you know, are are owning businesses or they have part-time jobs, like, I think to, to help, like, paint that full picture of what is it to be a parent and to have these like I think at the end of the day it always needs to come back to the fact that we all have kids and we all have like a similar struggle because that's that's the nature of this podcast but absolutely it can grow with you in the same way that like my brand Brandwell you know has grown with me a lot over the last three and a half years as I have become a mom um, and had you know a couple of babies and stuff like now my brand's message is a lot more about like Hey, I want to help you build a brand that's going to allow you to demand a premium price point so that you don't have to trade time for money all the time because I can't trade time for money all the time. You know, when I was when I was starting Brandwell and I didn't have kids, of course I worked like 60 hours a week. I had nothing better to do. But now I'm lucky if I can work 20 hours a week, you know? Like I I have a lot of demands on my plate. So that's really started to to change the way that I sh- Speak on my podcast, you know, and, um, and I think your audience a lot of times grows with you because we're all getting older together. We're all experiencing life together. So I think that it it probably is beneficial. You can obviously look at the analytics and see, like, am I losing people about this? But probably most people are growing alongside of you and we kind of get like in our own heads about that. Um, yeah. But if, if, you were to look at analytics and be like, okay, it's not, then that's when you decide again, do I need to split the brand again? And I can't imagine you have three podcasts, (laughs) you know, like, do I need to create some sort of online resource that deals with business entrepreneurship, things like that, and then have my parenting podcast. Um, But as long as you're listening to your customers and you're serving them where they're at in their season. Like you can't go wrong, but it's hard to listen to your customers and to get to know them if you're trying to serve everybody. Cause you're always going to be confused at the feedback. Totally.
0: Okay. Well, this has been super helpful. Can you just share like a little bit about the business branding school that you talked about? You said it only opens three times a year. Like who is the right person for this?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I split my brand too. I have brand in the branding business school, not because the audience was different. So the branding business school is still for the service based female entrepreneur. Um, but the, the end goal was different. Like the branding business school is really more that step one of, okay, I need to really get clear on the strategic side of my brand. So we cover everything from like the a little bit more I don't want to say touchy feely because it's a very like meaty thing, but like why am I doing this? Why am I here? You know, is my motivator deeper than just myself and just like I want time freedom? Cause there's a lot of ways to make money online these days. And if you want, to, the end goal of that course is to help you build a powerhouse brand. So if you really wanna have a brand that stands the test of time, that demands a premium price point, you need to really get honest with yourself about motivators and things like that. So we we touch on that. We get into the nitty gritty of naming your business, defining your target audience, having a clear tagline, um, your brand's tone of voice, messaging, things like that. Uh, we do touch on design, but it's obviously not a design course. Um, and we also teach you how to sell. So like you asked some questions about how do I sell on my website? I, the best thing I ever did uh, a couple of years ago was I hired a sales coach <laughs> and she was actually someone that did sales. She was the director of sales at the company that I worked for. And I saw what she did to that company. I mean, she tripled the size of that company in a few years. And I was like, hey, can I pay you hourly to meet with me? Now she trains people on my team, but um, I invited her to come and, and teach a module at the Branding Business School, really teaching the same things that she taught me that allowed me to double the sales of Brandwell in a year. Um, so we, we kind of cover everything from how you show up online, your brand's tone, um, why you exist, and then how to articulate that message to your people, how to connect your product to your people. Um, So it is closed right now. We open three times a year to the public. Um, Our next, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but our next enrollment is February of 2024. Um, And then we'll do a summer and a fall. Um, And then we do open it to our clients of Brandwell year round just because we know they need it. (laughs) So we'll, we'll often say like, if they're not quite ready for the visual side of branding, we'll say, let's go through the Branding Business School first and then we'll start your designs. Um, But that's kind of what it is. It's taught not just by me. I teach like half of the course, um, but then it's other female founders who have all scaled six and seven figure brands, kind of sharing their areas of expertise as well.
0: Awesome. 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 All right. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Um professionally someday I would love to have a small studio that my team and I could work out of just sometimes not every day but like just to have that space to do a brand shoots and things like that so that's oh, down the road. yeah awesome what's the best most recent book you've read uh overcoming under earning okay big, big uh mindset changer if you're struggling to raise your prices
0: oh okay cool um so we didn't really talk about parenting a lot but do you have a kid's book you recommend
1: I do. And I think one that like kind of goes with everything that we did talk about, like just being entrepreneurs and mothers. Um, there's a book called in my heart also don't know the author, but you could make- <laughs> and put it in the show notes. Um, it's called in my heart and it's about like my, so my oldest goes to preschool twice a week. Um, so I can work and it's, it's kind of that sweet story of like, though we're not together, we're never truly apart. You're always in my mind. You're always on my heart. And it kind of walks through the day of like her at preschool and then the mom at the uh, office, how she's always thinking of her. And it's oh, just crazy. I love that. Yeah. Your kids are so young, but do
0: you have a trip or adventure that you've done with your family that you would recommend?
1: Um, They are so young. Last year uh, we went to – I think this will fit because you're a runner and I'm sure you have some athletes that listen to this as well. Um, My husband just did his first Ironman last year in Lake Placid, New York, and he took the family and it was so, even if you're not, I obviously did not participate, (laughs) Um, but like just to observe, like if you love that high that comes from like human achievement, achievement and endorphins and stuff watching people complete an ironman and then Lake Placid is just like the coolest and most picturesque town. Um that was my husband and I talk about all the time. That was probably our favorite trip favorite trip since we've gotten married.
0: Oh my gosh. My husband did an ironman when I was like 10 weeks postpartum with my our first. Did you him for that? <laughs> well, he had like, you know you sign up so far in advance. Yeah. He had, like, signed up. Like, I don't even think I was pregnant yet, you know? Oh, my gosh. And so then I got pregnant, and um, we had been trying for a while. So it was like, you're not going to plan your life around, like, if yeah. you think you're going to get pregnant. You just have to live, right? Yeah. Um. And, no, it was okay. It was fine. But I feel like looking back, I'm like, I swear you went for, like, a 50-mile bike ride, like, the day I had Marshall.
1: I swear you did. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I was pregnant uh, with Reagan. And I was trying to decide how I felt about like him getting in the best shape of his life as I'm like getting I know. every month. I'm like, do you do
0: this to torture me? I know. I know. I have lots of feelings and lots of processing that has gone on over how fit and fast my husband got over <laughs> yeah. the years while I was having babies um, and just how hard it was to get my body back in shape. But yeah, I remember that day so well. I. I loved watching him do the Ironman and seeing him finish. And I toted Marshall around with me in the little carrier the whole time. And I do remember at the end, though, we had to get his bike back to the car. And it was like, I don't know, a mile and a half or two miles. And I was so tired because I hadn't slept for like days. And I was like, I'm sorry, but can you ride your bike back instead of me (laughs) after he did his Iron Man. Oh, my gosh. That's hysterical. I was like, I think I might be more tired than you right now. I really do. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Because then I remember the night before, I like didn't sleep because I was so nervous about his Iron Man, And I was like, you know, you have first time mom. You're like just waiting for your baby to get up all the time. You're not like used to it yet. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so that's cool. Both of our husbands have done an Ironman. I know. Man. I love
1: that you've experienced that. It's a really – it was a really awesome trip.
0: It's really special. And just seeing someone you love, like, work so hard for something. I mean, I've run several marathons, but, like, I, I've done a half Ironman, but a full yeah.
1: Ironman. Well, a half Ironman is is still it's something i incredibly proud of. But, yeah, you know, what I thought was so cool is, like, James he he's a PA so he works at the hospital and he just kind of like goes to work comes home that's not like i mean he's he's really great at what he does but it's not like his passion in the way that i own my own yes. business And so like he supported me for the last five years as I have like lived and breathed all things brand well. And, um, you know, I talk about it endlessly. So to watch him, like (laughs) something that he was so excited about and that he couldn't stop talking about, it was cool. We kind of just saw it as like, you've supported me and now I'm going to support you, even though I'm pregnant and have a two-year-old and you're going to go for a six hour bike ride every Saturday. Like it just, it was a little bit of that give and take that is required in a marriage. So this was just like a year ago. Yeah. Just last July. I didn't even have Reagan. She was in my belly. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: yeah, the bike, the biking on the Ironman training. That's what takes all the time. I mean, Yeah, yeah it, it is
1: unbelievable. It
0: is so and it's so time consuming and the older I get, I'm like, I do want to do an Ironman someday, but the biking is so dangerous. It scares me. See, my
1: husband has a, a friend who just got clipped by somebody's rear view mirror just the other day. And I was like, please he I like never really let him bike by himself. He always yeah. went with groups. So much safer. Like on a trainer in the basement.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My husband spent I remember right after we had Marshall, he would set up his bike on the front porch as bike trainer.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: he would it would be like four in the morning and he'd just take Marshall outside with him so I could sleep. And he'd just Aww. sit in his little bassinet on the front porch while my husband rode his bike for like three That's hours before work.
1: Aw, I love Such good that. memories. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, what is your last message to leave with our audience today?
1: Um, I think I'll go back to... You know, we talked about branding, and for the the scatterbrained woman and mom <laughs> <Me>. <laughs> who you know has a million plates spinning, and you're just like, which ones can I let fall? Um, just put your blinders on. Sometimes, if you need to mute some accounts on social media, or just get off it entirely for a little bit to figure out like why are you doing whatever it is that you're doing? You know, like that. That's how you're going to be able to like reduce the noise a little bit and mm-hmm. get a little bit more focused in what your next step should be for your business. But it's really hard when there's just too much noise pouring in. So even if it means taking a break from the podcast, taking a break from the YouTubes, um, I just feel like that was when I was able to get really, really focused on my own business and really start scaling my brand um, is when I reduced the input and I just started to, to get clear on like, who are my customers and what are they saying? I think that will help a lot of people. Thank you so much, Victoria. Yeah. Thank you, Lindsay. I love talking to you today. We have so much in common.
0: All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for being here. Thank you, Victoria, for coming on the show. You can find Brandwell Designs on Instagram. It's just Brandwell Designs and the Branding Business School as well. Learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks for being here and we'll see
1: you next week.